Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Zickety zing zing zoom. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Welcome to the bridge. Mm -hmm. I'm Comrade Brit. Down Pat. The podcast is called Soy Trek that you're listening to. The first AMAB spermless Star Trek podcast. That is correct, as far as I'm concerned. As, as far there, as we know. As far as we know. There might be another one, but I we don't care. <laughs> I doubt it, though. Yeah, I doubt it. I think we've put in the work, we've put in the time, we just haven't put in the research. <laughs> research, research really don't matter. We're not academics. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're, we're academics like the, the guy on Twitter you know, uh, a, a DJ academics. Yeah, DJ academics. Yeah, we're yes. like DJ academics yeah, and that yeah. we like to start shit. <laughs> we like to fling some shit, see what happens. Mix up that shit just pot. Fling, just fling some shit at the wall, see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, we have a... Did you know we have a Patreon? I do, actually. I've heard about this. You have heard about this. Well, yeah, you get you get some money off of it. <laughs> Hell's yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be like $45 a month, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I use that $40 uh, to buy some Star Trek memorabilia. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you're you're reinvesting in reinvesting. Star Trek, really. Re it goes into reinvesting into Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs, or patreon at patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs, uh, is a pretty cool place. For as yeah. little as $2 a month, you can become actually. You know what? Uh, they actually did a thing. Now it's free. You can actually sign up for free if you want. Wow! Uh, just and you know, see what you like, and hopefully, you, if you can spare two dollars a month or more, you you can support us. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got a couple free members on there, but you yeah. know, most people pay, and you know, it makes us. Uh, it pays for the podcast more than pays for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Pays way more than advertising ever paid us. That's true. So uh, you know, we uh, we thank everybody who helps us uh, with the with the Patreon. Mm -hmm. Uh, not just the people who pay five dollars or more a month, like Dylan Lance, Jordan Hale, David Craning Sites, D. Gursky, Jormore, Tim Wilkinson, Sam Mayo, Kyle Simmons, PJ Hale, Shane Sawyer, Gillian McCrary, SFC Punk, Roberto Molina, Seven of Nine, James Hartman, Anna Conklin, Iggy, Abigail Simpson, uh, John Simcox, Shane Williams. And Roberto Yelito, as well as Electric Baphomet, Jonah Hearn, and Nick Savard. Hells yeah. Yeah, we thank all those people. They're pretty rad. They pay $5 or more a month, and so they get a shout-out. Um, for the regular tier, the $2 tier, mm -hmm. you know, you uh, you get all of our stuff in high-quality stereo at the moment it comes out, mm -hmm. which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, or the moment I'm done making it, really. Uh, not the moment it comes out to the rest of the world. You get it early is what I'm saying. Yes. You also get a bonus cast, usually of us eating together and having mm -hmm. a weird conversation about stuff. Yeah. Um, like the Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. The, that that was my favorite one. Yeah. When we were eating something and uh, t talked about how, like, Sonic the Hedgehog is the new, like, divine uh, <laughs> uh, fertility god or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, let's see, what else do you get on there? Oh, yeah, you can vote on what mm. we watch every week. And uh, this was the episode we're doing today was mm -hmm. voted on by patrons. Yeah, and it's yeah. something that I actually wanted to watch for a while. I just never yeah. got around to it. Yeah, people have been asking us to do this for a while, and I'm surprised that it, it only just finally came up. But yeah. uh, it was the, the top voted one on our Patreon poll. Hells yeah. Um, yeah, and so, you know, 
people people want to hear what we have to say about this, I guess, because you know mm-hmm. I, I've watched it before, and so have you, I think. No, it's oh, you, this first, is your first time. First okay. time watching it. So I, I watched it before, and it was. Uh, I, I have different feelings on it than when I watched it before, because when I watched it, it was probably maybe like when I was getting back into Star Trek for like my my second or third wave of Star Trek, mm-hmm. so like in my mid twenties, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um. And so it was probably around the time it came out is actually when yeah, I watched 2011, it. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, yeah, and I, I felt I felt pretty good about it then. Yeah, uh, but we'll 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 talk about that a little more because yeah. we need to keep talking about our Patreon. Yes. Uh, for uh, what else do you get on the two dollar tier? I don't know. Bonus episodes. Oh yeah, other podcasts I make such as yes. Prison Breakdown and Prison Getting Head, Break. a Bucket Cast. Yeah, your your uh, podcast about the TV show Prison Break. Exactly. It's <laughs> it's not. It's it's an academic <laughs> podcast done by two professors. I'm not kidding about this, by oh, the way. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like I'm just making a joke. Like, yeah, I do a podcast with two professors. I actually do do a podcast <laughs> with two professors. Uh, There's learned people on this podcast. Yeah, we <laughs> we gonna get you learned. Let's see. Uh, yeah, so two dollar tier is great. Five dollar tier, we shout you out. Ten dollar tier, you get access to the media dungeon. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, which is my Plex media server. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what Plex is, it's a streaming service that's uh, a lot like Netflix or Hulu, but it uh, streams from a, a private computer or private server in my case. I know I know. Um, Jay from Red Letter Media really likes Plex, is using Plex as well. I bet he does. Yeah, guys, I bet like every single um, tape they review, I think he rips and puts directly on his. I bet he server. does. I bet he yeah. does. I bet he does what I do. What you do. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I should try to get in contact with Jay. I have a lot in common with that guy. Yeah, I would like to see access to his Plex server as well. Yeah, I should I should just hit him up and be like, hey, I understand you like Plex. I uh, I live next to Scarecrow Video. I rip a fucking ton of media that you don't even have. Yeah. Uh, if you'd ever want to, you know, have free access to Exchange. it and make requests, yeah, that that'd be rad. Yeah. Like I'm a deep curator like you, and yeah. I actually have some a little bit of clout in the curation media mm-hmm. space. Yeah. I've got a pretty big um, like Internet Archive account mm-hmm. that I put up like over 300 VHS rips on. You like do get that. some pretty obscure stuff on there. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm all around the internet. And I've got mm-hmm. a, actually, uh, yeah, go to reddit.com slash the media dungeon mm-hmm. or r slash the media dungeon. Uh, I've got a few hundred followers there. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's where I just put up movies that I rip and stuff. I'm not like super active on there. I go in bursts. Like I'll put up like a hundred movies and leave mm-hmm. for like three months. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Be good to share those because, yeah, like Plex will be. Definitely, like, be one of the few places where you can find media that's lost exactly. to, to the ages of time. And so that's like my passion is finding media that's like very hard to find, mm-hmm. media that's almost lost. Mostly movies, but I'm getting a lot more into television lately, and I've gotten mm-hmm. some crazy television on there. Hell's yeah, yeah. Like, um, what what have you been watching on there on my my Plex server? Uh, I just started Foundation season two. Just nice. How are you liking that? Good. I fell asleep during one episode though. I was really tired. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, that's, that's um, not the show's fault. That's not the show's fault, but mm-hmm. they've introduced uh, the Mule, who's like a big villain in the Foundation series. Like yeah. I, I saw him. <coughs> I like that. I like the Mule. I actually think um, Jar Jar Binks was supposed to be the uh, like I thought. I think like George Lucas mm-hmm. um, m- originally modeled um, Jar Jar Binks after the Mule because he yeah. kind of looks because like 
he's not like a like a mule like an actual donkey in the foundation mm-hmm. series like he's just a guy but he feels like he's carrying the weight of the universe on his calls himself the mule i love that and but like i feel like george lucas but he's also like kind of like a he was like um a guy that was secretly influencing people mm-hmm. with uh with um <clears throat> with his mental powers like he was able to like um put a put a wrench in the foundation's um plans by like um fucking everything up with, mm-hmm. his, with his mental abilities and i kind of feel like that's how george lucas originally was going to mean jar jar because hmm. jar jar kind of looks like a like a donkey almost he he's yeah he's he's donkeyish he's like a donkey like, he's lizard like, he's like yeah he's like an aquatic uh aquatic donkey. Do- yeah he's like yeah, yeah a river donkey and i think like originally he was supposed to be meant to be like a <clears throat> you know because like the, the mule originally appeared uh, originally appears as a jester mm-hmm. and so he acts like he's really stupid and stuff and i feel that's what Jar Jar was going to do would be like you know be like a jester be like oh I'm completely innocuous but actually mm-hmm. be like influencing people secretly with his um force powers yeah we love that that's, yeah that's why it, it should it should have been it should have been it should have been yeah but Darth, it, Jar Jar. <laughs> Darth Jar Jar Darth mm-hmm. <laughs> let's see what have I gotten lately on uh Plex I've gotten um <coughs> the new Ken Burns documentary the American Buffalo mm. uh, I got all of the Cleveland show <laughs> I got all of Gravedale High, which is like um, basically like a horror high type show. Is that the Rick Moranis one? Uh, no, Rick Moranis isn't in it, but Phil Hartman and Frank Welker are. Mm. Um, yeah, it's like because uh, yeah, Rick Moranis was in like a, um, a like an '80s cartoon where he mm. was like the principal of like um, a high school for monsters. Oh yeah, this is a '90s one, uh, yeah. so I guess that was an oft-repeated idea. I also yeah. got Spaceballs, the animated series. Oh hell's yeah. I don't know if you knew that existed. I got Breaking Bonaducci, which is the Danny Bonaducci reality show. <laughs> is Danny Bonaducci still alive? Surprisingly, he's he lives around here. Really? Yeah, he does. Uh, he does a uh, his talk show out of Tacoma or something. I think. Um, we should invite him on the podcast. We shouldn't suck his dick. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. But it's a group. This is a group effort here. All right, <laughs> we have to suck his dick. Uh, like, damn it! Like. Can I suck your dick does not sound nearly attractive as how do you feel about two people sucking your dick at the same time? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You got to like, you got to undersell it first. Right. And then right. if he says no the first time, then you got to be like, okay, well, we yeah, got true, two. true, true. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, but he's not going to say no the that, first time. Look at these, look at these DSLs. Look at yeah. these, look at these bad boys. Look at these bad boys. Uh, no, we should though. I, I, I don't know if he knows, I don't know if he watches Star Trek, but I think that'd be funny. That would um so we also have uh, i also got bam's badass game show which was bam margera's very short-lived game show mm. i got the dudesons which was the like the the dutch version of jackass that predates jackass oh wow yeah they like jackass is kind of based on the dudesons so really jackass is the um ver- what was it from sweden you said uh something like that sweden or they're dutch maybe oh, or yeah, something. or dutch yeah so it's like so really jackass is the dutch version of or the american version of the dudesons yes correct yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, i also got thunder in paradise the mm. short-lived hulk hogan action show oh hells yeah and also hulk hogan's rock and wrestling his cartoon oh yeah we watched part of that we yeah that yeah we did we did watch uh, an episode of that that was pretty fun uh what else uh the cnn news network show that was mm. that was pretty fun free willy the cartoon and all, <laughs> all of the veggie tales tv show 
God, how, 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 like, does Free Willy just get freed every single episode? I guess so. Or I think a kid just, like, rides around on Free Willy and shit. Mm. Do you think that they make it pretty much like every single, like, cartoon adaption, adaptation at the time where um, there was lots of, like, just, like, robotics and stuff involved where, like, Probably. They, they became, Willy became, like, a warrior. He wore, like, um, that <laughs> special, like, um, uh, robotic admit augments that he put onto himself to help fight and free other whales. Yeah, I bet he did. <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a dino whale. Yeah. He's like, yeah. The He's, kid's like, uh, you know what they, you might know him as an orca, but mine's a killer whale. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he had like a whole team of other whales, and mm -hmm. there was like one whale that's, uh, that has really long eyelashes to make sure you know that's the girl whale. Whale team six. Yeah. Whale team six, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a really good one. No. Yeah, whale team six. There's, all, there's like, um, there's a sperm whale, mm -hmm. but they call them like, uh, they don't call they, them. They just call them cummy. <laughs> they call them, yeah, cummy the sperm whale. Cummies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, then there's a humpback and then like all sorts of different kinds of whales. And then there's like, also they have a dolphin buddy. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to see that. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, yeah, and maybe they also have like um, a whale shark. Whale sharks. Oh, I love whale sharks. Whale sharks are pretty sick. They're, that's my favorite type of whale. Yeah. They're so big and majestic, and they yeah. can't, like, really hurt you or anything. No, they're friendly. They're very friendly. Yeah. I'd still freak out, though, if I saw one, if I was swimming. Though I'd shit, I'd shit my shorts. Yeah, I would I would just fill my whole pants, like, because, you know. You'd, it, there'd just be a trail of brown running behind <laughs> me as I, yeah. as I quickly scrambled to the surface. And he instantly, like, smells it in the, in the water and just, like. And just, like, eats swims. it. <laughs> <laughs> yummy, yummy. Thank you. I am Piacon. I am now your friend. <laughs> you have fed I, me. I am Puacon. <laughs> Puacon. <laughs> two whales, one cup, baby. Two, <laughs> two whales, one sea. Yeah, two whales, one sea. Um, yeah. So that's our Patreon. Uh, yeah. Also, twenty dollar uh, tier gets you merch every month, and that's, that's the it. only way to get real Soy Trek merch. Still, yeah. How many people are in the merch tier? I was going to order some of those. Just um, three people. Three people. Well, Just three people. I'm going to order some of those. Um, keep honking. I'm listening to Soy Trek, the first AMAB spermless. Um, Hell yeah. Podcast. I'm going to wear those on Sticker Mule. So cool. So cool. they'll be getting those. Hell yeah. Uh, Looking people. forward to that. Yeah. yeah. So that's any incentive to get on the merch tier. You can have like a really weird bumper sticker. Yeah, we're both gonna put that bumper sticker on our car. We are, and that's gonna be the best advertisement we've ever had for some reason. <laughs> yeah, like we're gonna get more listeners from that stupid bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, just like we 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 sold more fucking stickers mm -hmm. just from that really dog shit grainy video of the back of your car. <laughs> Yeah, than from anything else, basically. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that's still being shared in like uh, Star Trek shit posting or not. I, I kept, I saw it, that it's, was... it's probably shared on there, and then like one Tumblr group, and like every time it's screenshotted again, so it like mm -hmm. gets more and more pixelated. It looked last time I saw it, it just looked like dog shit. The first time I saw it, I was <laughs> yeah. like, "This is the worst photo ever," but at least it's an advertisement for us, and it, it degraded. Like it did, the original yeah. got lost. Yeah, yeah. Copy so... of a copy of a copy, and now it fucking. <laughs> It looks dumb as hell. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, the the um, the drummer of the Mountain Goats yeah. shared it, and like mm -hmm. uh, um, like uh, Jane Wilden from uh, the Go Go's. Oh yeah, <laughs> so she, oh, yeah. she saw it, and yeah, it was it was being oh, that's, shared. That's how I connected with Tawny Newsom in the first place. Oh really? The, oh the, yeah. the guy from Mountain Goat shared it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and like um, yeah, it's, it's I do catch like actually like uh, coming here. Um, 
before I came here, I, I was in line to get coffee and um, I saw a guy freaking out looking at the bumper stickers. Nice, nice. <laughs> and I was just like, oh yeah, he's freaking out. But I have caught, I have caught p- other people taking pictures of mm-hmm. my bumper tri- uh, stickers. So huh. hopefully uh, they appear more online at some mm-hmm. point. Like a new, a new version appears that's not as degraded. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like if they get to see you too, they're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, this makes sense. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. yeah His I, wife did leave him. Because <laughs> <laughs> also when I was in line to get coffee, there was also a, the guy who gave me coffee. He's like, all right, here you go. And then like I have a skeleton who's named Philip Femer Hoffman who mm-hmm. sits in my back seat. Mm-hmm. And he's like, whoa, there's a dead guy back there. <laughs> I was just like, yes, sir. Yeah. So, yeah, get, my, my car is fun for people. You should just call it Philip Seymour Hoffman. It, <laughs> it, could <laughs> it could be him. It could be him. No, I, I like Philip Femer Hoffman. Yeah, that's pretty good. Philip Femer Hoffman, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you should get the 12-foot skeleton. like Put that in my car. Yeah, just cram it in there. <laughs> I'll fold it up in the back in like the passenger seat. I did see someone buying that at Home Depot this year. Hell and yeah! They were just wheeling it out on a giant on one of those giant things. I was like, Fuck God yeah. damn it! I want one so bad. I don't have a yard though, so I'm like, right, nowhere to put it except my bedroom. I'd put mine on my couch there and just <laughs> hang out with it. And have it be my skeleton cuddle buddy. Oh yeah, yeah. Just be like, be like cuddling with an anorexic. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've cuddled with twinks before no worries it'd be like that test they did where they um they gave like a um baby monkeys mm-hmm. a fake ba- monkey mother one that gave milk mm-hmm. and then uh, but then wasn't cuddly and then another that was cuddly mm-hmm. but didn't give milk no. and the baby monkeys always chose the cuddly monkey over the one that, get, that fed them interesting it's really depressing that is depressing <laughs> yeah. i mean oxytocin is a very 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 powerful brain chemical Mm -hmm. like uh, i'd say probably more powerful than pretty much anything else like the the sensation of touch and like being wanted and desired Mm -hmm. um and like kept safe is like mm. especially for little baby monkeys yeah it's it's like our 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 basis desire especially Mm -hmm. when we're small yeah yeah, so, the baby doesn't know that it needs milk. Some people are always <laughs> small. Some a lot of subs, and that's what uh, mm. that's my bread and my butter, baby. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what we what we get into today, Mister Patrick? We watched uh, the Captains, uh, the did. documentary by William Shatner about the Star Trek Captains. Indeed, or really, as we talk about, it's about William Shatner. So it's about a Star Trek captain. It's about a Star. It should be called the Captain. Yes, it really should. Um, it should. It should honestly be called the captain and the other captains. Yeah, that's that's like in my mind and in my heart. I think what he really wanted to name it. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel that he really only called it the captains and involved the other captains mm-hmm. just because he wanted a launching point, a way to a launching point to talk about himself. And like, also, like, yeah, a, a way to do a film about himself, but be relevant within the film. Yes. Because if he made a film, like a fucking, like, memoir film or something like that, or, like, a docudrama about himself or something, it would come off as, like, terrible and hacky. And, yeah. like, there would be, I mean, the veil would be completely ripped off. Yeah, you but can't. But in this like, way, he can, <laughs> you know, he can just be like, oh, this is about all of us. Yes, yes, yeah. And, and like, it, where he seems like he's... He's he's more magnanimous and 
and like and cor- wants to include all of the people that are involved in Star Trek, not just himself. Because mm-hmm. yeah, if it was written, directed, starring about William Shatner, <laughs> with William Shatner on William Shatner, yeah, people would just be like, "You fucking hack shit!" And instead, it's like, yeah, it's like, oh no, it's actually about these other people. But mm-hmm. as we'll see, it's not. It's it's about yes. William Shatner. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, the cinematography and the editing were also done by the same person. So this is a mm. very small team project. I it think. definitely felt it definitely seemed that way because mm-hmm. it like it it, it 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 definitely feels like if there were were more people involved in mm-hmm. the production, it probably could have had like a more coherent narrative. Right. And instead, like we it's just like lots of disjointed interviews and, and then cuts to William Shatner. I'm, I'm going to pause this theory right here. It's mm-hmm. not disjointed, Patrick. <laughs> it's jazz, baby. It's, it's jazz. It's yeah. jazz, baby. Yeah. <laughs> He's def- a hip cat doing a jazz, a jazz <laughs> film, baby. <laughs> it definitely feels. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's, it's it, it, it goes to the beat of jazz. Oh, yeah. But but white jazz like oh yes <laughs> you are correct <laughs> affirmative yeah it's like it because it, it, it's not like you know people people like jazz but, mm-hmm. you know white jazz though not so much <laughs> I mean, there's there's good white jazz musicians yeah there's also a lot of not good yeah jazz. and william shatner is definitely in the bad yeah i mean it, we'll talk about it's just it's I did not, I mean, it's pretty obvious that I personally did not enjoy this mm-hmm. film. I did not enjoy, I, I've been looking forward to watching this for a long time. I have, yeah. I had heard um, people talk about it in the past. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's probably not that bad, but I don't know. I, it For me, it just this was like, I didn't really learn anything that I didn't already know about a lot of the, about a lot of the captains, especially my favorite ones, like, you know, um, Patrick Stewart and Avery Brooks, you mm-hmm. know. I feel like, you know, documentary wise, like what we left behind, far superior documentary. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, there's like, I don't know, a certain feeling and energy behind what we left behind to yeah. where you can tell. I mean, in that film, I think was uh, produced and maybe directed by Iris Stephen Bear, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, like hosted by an him, actual storyteller. By, right. An actual storyteller <laughs> who like wanted to tell the story of like DS9 behind the scenes, mm-hmm. not just the story of Iris Stephen Bear. Yes. Because he realized that the project was much bigger than him, even mm-hmm. though he was the showrunner of it. Like he wanted the story to be told by everybody because yes. he realizes that everybody's a big part of the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in this film, I feel like William Shatner thinks he's the story. Yes. And lets everything kind of revolve around him. And it's like very obvious with the editing and stuff. Like he leaves in every single fucking compliment that anyone gives him in this film. <laughs> he does. And also we get very few perspectives from hit from William Shatner's own cast members. We get um, Christopher Plummer. Yeah, that's true. We don't get anyone from TOS. We get no one from TOS. Very surprising and maybe telling. Very telling and Mm -hmm. like and because I because like really and that kind of like like you know obviously like as as director and writer like he has you know like full creative control. And so we, Ooh, I, I take that back. We have a brief appearance by Grace Lee Whitney, who oh, played yeah. Yeoman Rand. <laughs> yes, we do, but we but we don't get any. She doesn't talk or anything. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but like he does have an interview with Christopher Plummer, mm-hmm. 
and even in that was very telling in just right, like right. where he was just like I you know I had my concerns about this character and I didn't come to you about it mm-hmm. <laughs> because I knew like you would not listen well, and, he and said also that to like he knows that he's the superior actor to Shatner because Shatner started out acting mm-hmm. as Plummer's understudy oh yeah 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 and so like you know Plummer knows he's like the superior actor yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah and, and it, was, it was very telling because like we get we'd have no like kind of well, like added objectivity from like other opinions from like people William Shatner has worked closely with mm-hmm. and I feel like he kind of like probably tries to escape that as he tries to make this seem like it's a movie more about the other captains instead of himself so he feels like he doesn't need to be under the same lens of criticism that mm-hmm. or um or uh or objectivity that the other captains are put under yeah and yeah it should probably be noted that uh of the other people they do interview here we have two people from ds9 Mm-hmm. Both of whom speak very highly of Avery Brooks. Yes. Very highly. Very highly. That's uh, Rene Abergenois and Nana Visitor, mm-hmm. who played uh, Odo and Kira, respectively. Yep. And and also, even like us, we have EMH, you know, Robert Ricardo talk about um, Kate Mulgrew, which mm-hmm. which I feel is, was very necessary because, like, like, William Shatner really butchers the interviews with um, Avery Brooks and Kate Mulgrew. The the Avery Brooks interview, despite the fact that fucking William Shatner does not know what he's doing. (laughs) He also doesn't understand Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks knows exactly what he's doing and makes it one of my favorite interviews (laughs) of all time. It is excellent. It is it is wild. It, it is, is top tier trolling of William Shatner. A hundred percent. One million percent. Avery Brooks went in there with a mission and like something set him off and he was like, this isn't an interview anymore. This is me having some fun. Yeah. Because it almost seemed like they were talking very openly before they sat down, mm-hmm. like when they're walking together. Right. And like they're having a conversation about like um, sea captains. Right, right. And, and and seeing the curvature of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like and, and, uh, thinking that the horizon was mm-hmm. like over there. And then fucking Avery Brooks brings up that like the first seafaring people were black. Yeah. And they didn't think that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the, the, there's like black ancient wisdom and fucking... <laughs> And Shatner's like kind of off put by this, I think, because he's, he's like very dismissive. He, he gets big dicked by yeah. Avery Brooks, who is from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was because I mean, Avery Brooks is a big dick energy motherfucker. You mm-hmm. know, he's like you know, like he's got a deep bass voice. He's like six one. Mm-hmm. He's got that presence to him, man. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, he's he's very confident and he knows who he is. He's big dick coded for sure. Big, yeah, and in the and you really get that from the interviews um, that he does with uh, William Shatner does with him, where William Shatner does not understand Avery Brooks. No, like, and, and it's clearly that he made no attempt to understand Avery Brooks. No, and like, and Avery Brooks like very clearly says some stuff in there that they leave in the film that I think is great, but William Shatner doesn't follow up on it at all. No, he doesn't. about about the experience of like a black captain. Yes, and saying you know this person who is a captain and happens to be brown, and then like William Shatner mm-hmm. just like cuts to another scene. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel that's like you know that's. I feel that subject has been explored much better in other interviews Avery Brooks has mm-hmm. done. Oh, absolutely. No, every, every, when, when he actually brings in, like, his history of, like, black radicalism and, like, Paul Robeson and stuff like that into yeah. it. And also his, like, and how important it was for him 
to be depicted as you know as a as a single single black father raising a son yeah in and, a positive and, way in a positive mm-hmm. way and how important that was for him mm-hmm. and um and so like a lot of you know a lot of uh you know avery brooks's own like um beliefs and were channeled through mm-hmm. uh cisco and that came out in a very positive way and it's crazy that they don't really touch on the racial tub uh, subject like at all because he even uses a clip from far beyond the stars yeah, yeah. when cisco is having like a breakdown yes over racism over racism yeah. Yeah. And, they, they, and they just totally skirt that they're just like well, it, oh here's a here's a great scene with him and uh renee abergenois yeah like, it's used it, they could have used any scene between those two they have so many great scenes together mm-hmm. but they decided to go for like the, you know like the most racially charged one and then they don't really touch the subject at all yeah to use it as a more of an example of avery brooks's acting ability rather right. than like the met like that the fact that like avery brooks directed that episode mm-hmm. right and, exactly and that and this was this was more important to him on an emotional level right and political level than it was on just just his acting like the acting was his acting in that was spectacular and important mm-hmm. to him but also the message of far beyond the stars and that's what mm-hmm. you really remember from far beyond right. the stars more, more of like just the story that it tells mm-hmm. and yeah it's just and yeah like well i mean it's, i think it's because you know william shatner was really seeing this seeing these actors mm-hmm. uh through his own lens because that comes up a lot where he's basically trying to bully them into his own kind of like how he feels about himself and how he feels about star star uh, star trek rather mm-hmm. than like the uh, than the actors themselves their own personal experiences i feel because like yeah, like when Avery Brooks kind of like touches on like the importance of having a brown captain and stuff like that, you know, and William Shatner doesn't follow up in right. any sort of meaningful way. It's because, oh, well, that's because William Shatner has not experienced that. Right, right. And so it's unimportant <laughs> to the film because the film is about him. It's unimportant, yeah. And so he's just like, he's just like, okay, well, here's a story about me. He, he, <laughs> and it's weird because he has a full discussion with Kate Milgrew about mm-hmm. a woman being a captain. <laughs> that was like, that was awful. It, it was awful. <laughs> it was so, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe let's talk about his interview with Kate Mulgrew real quick. Yeah, I also want to talk, uh, like initially before mm-hmm. the, you know, what, like when when it's a uh, Kate Mulgrew's interview, mm-hmm. she meets him on the streets of New York, and he's in a box. He's in a box that says "Captain" in here or something. Why? And then he what like when he gets out of, of there, she like knocks on the box. <laughs> yeah. <and> she's like, <laughs> and he goes, uh, as though there's like a code to get in the box. What was he trying to say with that scene? Do you think? He, I I think that was his attempted humor. But he doesn't really understand what's funny. Was he trying to say that he is he's 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 homeless now that he doesn't have like he's no longer the Star Trek captain? Or is he saying that once you are cast as a Star Trek captain, you get put in a box? Hey, we don't know because it's unclear. <laughs> he doesn't make. He doesn't hey, make, symbology <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't uh, recreate this ever again. It's just like just for Kate Mulgrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he could have followed up on it or something. And be like, uh, like for, first question: 
as a after, after being cast as a Star Trek captain, do you feel like you got put in a box yeah. or something like that? You know? Yeah, yeah. I got it. Was like thinking like, oh, it's because he feels like he's been cast out of Star Trek or something. Now he's in this box. Hmm. Now he's like on the street. You know, cast out. It was completely unclear. I think. Completely I, unclear. I think it was just him like trying to be funny. Yeah. And like he saw a box and was like, I'm gonna get in this. So I'm be Cake Mulgrew. Yeah. Like, hey, anyone have a sharpie? Right, captain in here. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be it is a cheap fucking set piece. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't, we don't have to pay for this. And it's it, it, it struck me as weird because I when I was like looking up um, pictures and like online, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, I, I found like it's featured him in the box is featured as sort of like on the promotional material on the movie posters and stuff. So what? like, so I was just like, yeah, it's like one, one variation of the movie poster. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so what? was the meaning behind this what's in the box <laughs> what's in the box what's in the box what's the meaning of the box i don't know and then it's just like because it's only he only does it with kate mulgrew and it's never done again so mm. but i mean he does meet the other captains in other places where you know on the streets of new york you know that's you know you can see that you mm-hmm. know or he meets the other captains like I, it would be weird if there was just like a a box that he was just in in every time he met one of <laughs> yeah, them yeah. now that that would be funny in just a weird way yeah. especially if he never explained it at all <laughs> exactly but yeah just just doing it for kate mulgrew was like what's happening okay okay i'm waiting for like a payoff mm-hmm. nope no nothing nothing all right just meeting you in a box i mean there I mean this that's there is another also bizarre meeting with yeah. him and Chris Pine. Yeah, where they meet on the sidewalk on a table on the sidewalk. Right, right. And, the, and Chris Pine is just like, okay, I guess we're sitting at this table on the sidewalk. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not like a cafe or anything. It's just like a table on the sidewalk in L.A. Yeah, in front of Paramount Studios, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah, very bizarre. But yeah, the Kate Mulgrew thing instantly. I'm like, because because there's no because I think we mentioned that there's no clear narrative of what he's trying to say no With, uh, like the overarching point of his film mm-hmm. is never really like like there's nothing that really ties the narrative together where, where all these captains like it just seems like it's you know just these interviews that are just launching points for him to talk about himself right right and it could have i mean he could have made some kind of point about leadership mm-hmm. or some kind of point about like a shared experience that they all had yeah but like the 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 film is like not even serpentine it is just like disjointed it's more like free jazz than jazz it is, yeah definitely it's like a toot 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 <laughs> like i don't know where this is going this is bebopping and scat jazzing all over the place yeah it, 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 he has because like when he interviews the captains like it 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 basically it's he's it, like the time he spends actually interviewing them is very short mm-hmm. compared comparatively to how much he talks about himself and like him spending time at conventions and stuff like that him him like yes. walking around conventions and like kind of waxing poetical on what it means to be a captain takes up approximately half the film yes and the other half is interviews <laughs> other half is interviews and yeah especially with like and i think like you could see the faces of the, you know, Patrick Stewart, because he interviews Patrick Stewart, Scott mm-hmm. Bakula, yep. Avery Brooks, Kate yep. Mulgrew, Chris Pine, mm-hmm. and who else? I think that's it, right? Yeah, you got it. Yep. And and each with each actor, you kind of see the, the realization on their face when they're just like, oh, we're here to talk about you. Right. <laughs> like, we're not here. Ex- except uh, I, I would make an exception to that. Mm-hmm. I think he actually does an interview with Scott Bakula for the, the most the, part. The Scott Bakula one is, I think, I think is, I, you're I think right. he has more respect for Scott Bakula yeah. than any of the other people he interviews. Yes. And I think there's something to be said about him being an older white man. 
Because yeah. he also does seem to have like a reverence for Patrick Stewart as well. But I also think like there is a sort of like um, a bit of contention between them. I think because, right, right, because, because, of because the, he the took over basically, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and generations like you right, know, right. Like, um, William Shatner died, and and he talked a lot about how he died in generations, and yes. like, and he centers his own narrative <laughs> on like him thinking about death. Yes, like, uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that near the end because that's like kind of the <laughs> end of the film, and it doesn't make any sense to me. But it, uh, it really is, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's let's talk about the Kate Milgrew part where he talks yes. about being a woman. Yeah, <laughs> that was. That was so bad. So, like, he, like, drills her about, like, uh, so, like, is it okay for, like, a captain to be a woman because she's got the hormonal stuff and whatever going on? And then points out that maybe, like, it's, uh, men have a lack of hormones Mm -hmm. and that might be equally as, you know, disadvantageous. And I was like, what? Do you not under, he doesn't understand hormones at all. And he makes a point of also like saying like, do you feel like a a female Star Trek captain has, has like affected how women are seen as caregivers or something? Yeah. That was, that was incredibly weird. It was. And 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 he was trying to contentious too. It's like Kate Mulgrew was like pushing back on him. She was, she was. And I, I feel, I feel really gracefully, like very gracefully. Yeah. She handles it really well. And well, I mean, she she handles it okay. Yeah. She should have like like stood up to walk out on the interview and been like, <laughs> like just because you have a little dick doesn't mean shit, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> like she you definitely see like from the beginning of the interview. It's like you know I think she has that expectation that he is there to interview her, mm-hmm. but you see like her, the realization on her face and that oh no I'm here to stroke your ego yeah. like I am here to interview you mm-hmm. and you see that sort of change happen she handles it she handles it gracefully I mean there is like a point where he goes where she shares a story mm-hmm. and he's like well that reminds me of something that happened to me right he, and then and she's like and she's like oh, of course yeah <laughs> basically he's his interview subjects uh, he tries to make them mirrors yes just to reflect everything back onto him for the most part absolutely and like so like I mean in there's something to be said for that for like having like a shared experience mm-hmm. thing but like it's more like William Shatner being like well this is how my life is is your life like that yeah to most people and then when their life isn't like that he either avoids it like with Brooks mm-hmm. or with Mulgrew he like excoriates her for some reason about it yeah it's like fucking leave her alone like the what I mean <laughs> First off, this is like 300 years in the future, mm-hmm. you know, 400 years in the future. Like, yeah, your your questions about like, is it okay for a man or a woman to be this or that is like made especially silly by the fact that it's three or 400 years in the fucking future. Yeah. But it, also like that shouldn't be a question now. Women are capable. <laughs> Women mm-hmm. are more capable than men for the most part. Yeah. You can see like his dated. He's He's definitely trying to apply. And that's where I feel like. Yeah, he, you know, we talk about, like, a lot of the captains or some Star Trek actors not actually understanding their character. Mm -hmm. And, like, William Shatner is definitely someone who doesn't understand the kind of world that Star Trek posits, where it's just, like, where it's it's beyond, Mm -hmm. like, misogyny, beyond racism. He doesn't understand he's supposed to be Gene Roddenberry. Yes. And he's not Gene Roddenberry. His character was Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. But he's not very good at being Gene Roddenberry. No, and it was is it, it was very very cringe watching him try to try to 
fit. And again, this also probably goes back to the box allegory where he was mm-hmm. trying to fit Kate Mulgrew. I am the man <laughs> in the box. Yeah. He was trying to fit Kate Mulgrew into that box. Mm-hmm. And and she doesn't fit in that box. That's no. not the box for her. She, no. Like, she is outside of that box. And yeah. That, so I guess that is sort of like... She got her own wet box. You know <laughs> she, what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. She, but she's just like, no, I mean, this. I was bringing something completely different to this to the idea of a Star Trek captain. I was, you know, the first female captain on, on, well, not, on not not the first female captain. You but, always, you know, the, fir, you know, the, the first the, the lead, lead role. Lead yeah. role leading female in captain. the series. And, you know, and that this and, and we don't really get to get a lot of her personal perspectives on how that how on how that changed. Like, mm-hmm. because, you know, we spend a lot of time just focused on on William Shatner. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, and. And I do like that they had that they did have to include like interviews from like you know they included like as you said like the um, Kira and um, Odo interviews mm-hmm. and you know we also got like Robert Picardo being talk- talking about how great Cole Mo- Kate Mulgrew was, mm. was as a leader yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, we also got uh, Connor Trenier who played Trip Tucker in Enterprise yeah uh, talking about how much he likes Scott Bakula and how mm-hmm. like. Scott Bakula brought the energy to the set mm. and like kept everyone going. Yeah, and that's definitely like one one the the one thing that I don't think like William Shatner intended was just like how how well the ensemble cast and the other Star Trek shows actually got along. Right, right. Because because just as you know, William Shatner famously did not get along with a lot of his. Um, co-stars mm-hmm. you know to you know the fact like you know him and takai have like still have a contentious relationship with mm-hmm. these yeah. i think just recently we're trading barbs online. yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> so all the time so it's just like so where william shatner basically burned his bridges with all mm-hmm. of his his um his cast like you definitely see that come through with the others that that mm-hmm. was not the case with them they're much more like they, they much more saw it as an ensemble cast and right. as working together and like where Avery Brooks and like Kate Mulgrew kind of just led by example right. among the cast, like just like setting it up, mm-hmm. like being like professional and wanting to bring like their best when with their acting and everything else, interpretation of their character. Absolutely. Although I, I, I will say I don't feel like Voyager is as much of like a close cast as mm-hmm. the rest of them. Like TNG yeah. and DS9. Both of those casts and Enterprise, honestly, especially mm-hmm. like listening to like the Shuttle Pod show, like mm-hmm. all those folks seem to be like really like you know good friends still. Yeah. Whereas you don't really see a ton of the Voyager cast except for like I know Jerry Ryan and Robert Picardo are still really good friends, and uh, he's really good friends with Kate Mulgrew. Like, yeah. Like um, there, I mean, there's a couple people, but you know, like you never see like, and then also you know Robert Duncan McNeil and. Um, uh, uh, fucking uh, Harry Kim. What's mm-hmm. his name? Uh, they're they're obviously friends because they do the the Podcast, show together. Yeah, the but, Delta Flyers. Yeah, and, but and I think Armin Shimmerman. I just saw like uh, is going to be on the show. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, and also, um, um, Jake and. Um, Nog. They also yeah, had yeah, their, yeah. They had a podcast until like uh, until his, Nog passed. Until Nog passed. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, now isn't. Um, I want to say, uh, uh, fucking Denise Crosby was joining them. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I and love they, that. They were going to go through TNG, I think, mm. or whatever. 
that is also like one revelation though i did like in this you know just like when the when um patrick stewart was able to have a way of you know a chance to talk (laughs) (laughs) but like i like one thing that stuck with me with his interview is he was able to talk about how like initially when um they were filming tng like he felt like everyone was like having too much fun mm-hmm. and everyone was and he, and he thought people were goofing around too much and he's yeah just, well because he came from like theater which yes. you mentioned and is like uh a lot of people saw it as like a step down because mm-hmm. before he was playing you know like you know richard King lear yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah like hamlet, hamlet and, you yeah. know and he was like doing these big productions and he was like the big actor and then he went to a, a genre show yeah which was seen by a lot of his peers i guess as like mm-hmm. a big step down mm-hmm. even though it had been done by like you know like christopher Plummer, yeah, uh, yeah. before him and mm-hmm. stuff like that and i don't know yeah uh, but I, I did like that sort of like um you know how it, it almost kind of mirrored his his growth as as captain picard on on um on tng where mm-hmm. you know the final episode it shows him going joining poker yeah. Like, you know, where Captain Picard kind of kept himself separate and wanted and um, from from the crew, like emotionally mm-hmm. at the end, he comes in and that where he was talking about how he kind of like was trying to make everyone act more professional and and stuff. And then and then like the, you know, then the rest of the crew talked to him. Oh, yeah. And, and we're just you, like, you were always welcome. And then I cry every yeah, fucking time, cry. every goddamn time. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fucking fucking baby. <laughs> but like a little in, baby. But in the there the in the crew like you know when and Patrick Stewart was trying to say like oh well <clears throat> you know they're trying to like they're like hey Patrick Stewart fucking goof around mm-hmm. be silly yeah. it's like that's what you and and then like you know and then that's when he kind of like lets his guard down and he joins them more and becomes more of like you know joint like comrade comrade yeah and you can see that you know Patrick Stewart like he's still friends with basically everyone on that show. On that yeah, show. yeah, and, and you see him like in interviews and stuff, and like when he's speaking, like everyone like looks at him fondly, mm-hmm. and like not as fondly as Jonathan Frakes, but yeah, Jonathan Frakes. But like, yeah, I mean, like season three of Picard wouldn't have been been worked unless he had that sort of good relationship right, with his co-stars right. and had that like yeah <clears throat> attention and command and like almost leadership still. Where yeah. like you know in generations they couldn't get in, get anybody to be with, they couldn't get like uh, you know people to star with him on um on and generations at the beginning like they had to get um, yeah. scotty and um and um, Chekhov, yeah, 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 to, yeah to take the places of like spock and um and uh, mccoy right because you know and, and then no one else would appear yeah <laughs> which is like which is crazy because that, like, it's like they have so much disdain for him that they're just gonna miss out on a giant payday for spending a day on set yes and you kind of and that's that's a kind of where you pick up on a lot of like William Shatner where there's a lot of scenes where he's acting very just like um, personable mm-hmm. he seems like he's very willing to talk to people yeah. but then the more he talks to them he the way, the contempt that he has for people he can barely mask right. he seems like he, it's because it's he definitely seems like someone that seems happy and approachable until mm-hmm. you really start talking to him and he's just like okay this guy's a fucking asshole <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's obvious he's like very self involved yeah and that's and that's really where I wish, like, this was this had another director or another interviewer that mm-hmm. could have been that could have, like, not made not made the subject matter about themselves, where we where we are actually just seeing like more like let allow these like um, 
the other actors to talk more about their experiences rather than like being only, only like a way to connect to a story about William Shatner. Right. And it's it's really weird. it's one of the only like documentaries I've ever seen where the interviewer lets the interviewee ask him questions often. Yes. And like one of one of my favorite maybe the most telling thing in like the entire film is when he's talking to Kate Milgrew uh, after he asks her like what she thinks about like what happens after death and stuff she asks him uh, what are you afraid of? Yeah. And he goes off on like losing all this. Um and he talks about like loss and stuff earlier and that he like talks about his divorce and stuff and yeah. how you know he, he like really connects with Scott Bakula talking about divorce and losing a bunch of money on divorce. And and that's something that he can't connect with Avery Brooks because he also does it the same with um Patrick Stewart where well, that Yeah, exactly. And actually it brings me I did some research here. Mm-hmm. Uh I I wondered who are the most divorced Star Trek captains. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh I I'd, I'd like you to guess like who is the most and least divorced Star Trek captain on this movie. I think Patrick Stewart. I think Patrick Stewart mentioned he had two divorces. You are correct. He has had two divorces yeah. and uh one current marriage. So yep. mm-hmm. we have a possibility for a third there. Mm-hmm. But that that is not correct in that oh. he's not the most divorced, but you did get right that he had two divorces. Yeah. Oh, uh, but you know who else has had two divorces? Uh, Scott Bakula. No. Scott Bakula has had one divorce, mm. and then he's currently married. Oh, okay, good. Someone I didn't expect, Kate Mulgrew, has been divorced twice. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. And she is not uh, currently married. You know who the least divorced one is? Absolutely. Avery fucking Brooks. <laughs> uh, yeah, or Chris Pine, because Chris, Chris Pine's Pine. never been married. Yes, Chris Pine's never been married. But uh, Avery but Brooks has been married to the same person for like... 1976. Four, yeah, yeah, like for like 50 years. So. Yeah. And that's one thing I saw where I think, like, yeah, as we said, you know, he's trying to see everyone through, see all the actors through his own mm-hmm. life experiences. And that's something that he couldn't connect to um, Avery Brooks about. And I think right. it was a point of, like, um, a bit of a almost got, a, got a, started an argument where he was trying to be like, have you felt that you lost any sort of connections through this or something and Avery Brooks is like you always do or something he's just like yeah. but, but Avery Brooks has been married happily since 1976 right just, right right and he's just like yeah of course you know and yeah and you know he it, it was the thing the catalyst that made him decide to go back to you know teaching and acting yes. not on screen anymore. not on screen and yeah, yeah. You, you, you definitely f- see that where he, he, like Avery Brooks definitely like fights like fights back against like him like um William Shatner trying to pigeonhole mm-hmm. Avery Brooks into this thing that's not him. Right, because because <laughs> and Avery Brooks points this out in a song. Mm-hmm. Um uh so Avery Brooks it should be mentioned like midway through his interview not midway kind of at the beginning of his interview after mm-hmm. they go to his house and sit down at a piano yeah he starts just playing piano music for most of his interview and it rules it's so cool uh it's, and i feel it's a way of him trying to drown william shatner out right right and so and so he'll just like start singing a song and then william shatner will like cut in and start oh singing God. his own lyrics it to it it was the worst like, like when william shatner was trying to just free jazz with mm-hmm. Avery Brooks, it, like you see, 
anytime like um, it, um, William Shatner started singing, you see like Avery Brooks wince. You do, <laughs> but but at the same time, he also like laughs a lot too. Because he, he does laugh I think, at him. I, I, yeah, and is is it's in a like a uh, oh you're a dumbass white boy kind of yeah, way. Yeah, you your song fucking sucks. Yeah, like uh, the first time he cuts into sing, uh, Shatner sings like, "Well, you asked me here, like fucking." Before that, Brooks is singing like about a girl he loved or something mm-hmm. like that, and then like Shatner's like, "Well, you asked me here to interview you," and I'm like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah. um, but then uh, the one that I really wanted to point out is uh, Shatner's like singing later on one of his songs on one of uh, while well, Brooks is playing piano, and. Um, Brooks uh, is singing, he says, he sings, you look at me, and mm-hmm. and then Shatner cuts in and says, think? And Brooks says, no, doubt. Doubt, yes. So he calls, he calls in song Shatner out for doubting him. Yeah. And yeah, doubting that, his experience. And that was, yeah, that was, that was also, yeah, following, like, again, like, uh, Shatner trying to pigeonhole him again, like, saying, like, that that uh, Avery Brooks is somehow unfulfilled, right? Or didn't reach his full potential, or something. Mm-hmm. And it, that and Avery Brooks is like, that's not me at all. Yeah, like you know, he's you know he like, because that because uh, like yeah, like to to William Shatner, like this is all he has. Mm-hmm. Like he's fucking like ninety something years old now. He's still fucking like milking the fucking Star Trek and, thing. And that, like the big difference between these two people and like, I think the, the basic fundamental difference between their life experiences, besides one being a white man yeah. in, in the sixties and another you know, yeah. being a black man. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like, um, like the 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 giant fundamental difference between the two people uh besides that is like i i totally forgot my point i'm sorry oh yes i'm sorry i I got it again is like what they've done with their lives like Mm -hmm. all shatner can really give to people anymore Mm -hmm. and this film proves it is recognition recognizing like hey that that was captain kirk yeah that kind of recognition i'm captain kirk remember me i'm captain kirk whereas brooks what he's devoting his life to he's a fucking professor for acting yes he's passing his deep knowledge Mm -hmm. down to a new generation of people yep and so he in that way will live forever in a way yeah whereas you know shatner you know, once we've got like, you know, like holographic shit or like holodex <laughs> or whatever, and mm-hmm. we no longer watch TV, fucking Shatner's gone. Poof. Yeah, yeah and that, and, and that is true. Cause like, yeah, like he, like, there, like, I don't think Shatner really understands, like, yeah, there are pe- other people seek fulfillment, mm. seek, seek, like, like, uh, in their lives in different ways. Mm-hmm. And Avery Brooks is leading the life that he, exactly the life that he wants to lead yes like he mm-hmm. like he is a professor he's a, he's still a stage actor mm-hmm. he's done stage stage performances he's a director he is like he's not as seen as you know not not going out there and peddling himself and trying to make everyone be like you know be like i'm the guy yeah. i'm cisco like, <laughs> brooks is living his best life and you know how i know that hmm. He lives in a place that looks exactly like the New York City apartment he has from Far Beyond the Stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like this kind of like smoky wooden jazz house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Brooks is leading his best life, but because it does it's not 
what Shatner expects. Because he's not on the convention circuit. Not on the convention. Shatner not, and like getting yeah. recognized all the time. Yeah, like trying to just do yeah, go on the convention circuit, like just make everyone know that he's Pat, you know, he's Captain Kirk and all that shit. And it's mm-hmm. just like no, it's like he doesn't need that. <laughs> and, and I feel that is like one of the things in that where Kurt, like uh, Shatner was not able to be a good interviewer because mm-hmm. he couldn't allow Avery Brooks to just do the talking, right? <laughs> where he where he could just like allow Avery Brooks to talk about his own perspective, about his own his own his own uh, approach to the character and his own ideals, his own ex- expectations, mm-hmm. and his own life. Well, and and, and that's the thing. It's like uh, in this film. Shatner refuses to center the narrative around anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> he absolutely refuses to. Like, mm-hmm. he'll let them talk and talk about their experience, but only in relation to his experience. Yep. Even, like, uh, with the, uh, with the uh, yeah, the Chris Pye interview was very interesting. It was very, very short. Very like, short. It was, it was a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end, and it was, it was pretty terse, I felt, too. It was, and I definitely felt like Chris Pine was also approaching um, uh, William Shatner very, anta- uh, very, with a, with a bit of antagonism because mm. I felt like he was also already very guarded talking to William Shatner. Yeah. And like, and I felt, and which, which for good reason I felt like, yeah. I think like, cause like the, as we said, like the interview starts with Patrick, with a guy, you want to keep wanting to say Patrick, with William Shatner, um, having that table in the middle of the sidewalk. Right. And like Chris Pine walks up, he's like, Okay, a sidewalk, a table in the middle of the sidewalk. Okay, sure, fine. Let's see. <laughs> and, and it starts off with them, you know, like arm wrestling, right? You know, and and I felt and I felt that okay, that was cute. That kind of made sense, but it's yeah. just, But it also sets the tone. Basically, sets the tone for how he does actually approach each of one of these captains. Where he, it's like it's a it's just it's a power of wills. Him wanting to dominate them, mm-hmm. and him wanting to just come out on top. Right. He he has the need to be the captain. The captain. And and um, and it may, you know it makes sense you know you know actually um, visualizing the you know the you know it has a arm wrestling competition mm-hmm. where you know with with uh, this other guy now playing Kirk you mm-hmm. know Chris Pine playing Kirk but he does it in a very unconscious way or maybe intentional way with a, but more um, hidden with all the other captains right and so it starts off with him like arm wrestling them but obviously like Chris Pine beats his ass yeah <laughs> yeah like, uh, but because he does like you know you know he's Chris Pine's a much younger stronger man mm-hmm. but like but yeah the interview was very short because you know it starts off with like um William Shatner like question about his previous work mm-hmm. which actually and they bring up a film that actually wasn't previous work it actually came out after Star Trek oh, really? 2009 yeah. oh really because wow. I, yeah, I wanted to check on that mm-hmm. and I was just like no that actually that film he's talking about actually came out like that year I, I should actually go back and retract a statement I said Christopher Plummer uh, was like a theater actor who went to Star Trek before Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. that's totally wrong because Star Trek 6 came out yeah, at, yeah. well after oh, TNG yeah, yeah. started so yeah yes. sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> just but, had to I've, I've been thinking about that I'm like I'm such uh, a fucking idiot. idiot. So fucking stupid. So fucking stupid. <laughs> but it, it was funny because he brings up um, like um, William Shatner's question about the train movie he did, mm-hmm. and he's just like, "I also was in a train movie." That's <laughs> <laughs> like, he barely, like Chris Pine barely gets to share anything, and then he immediately starts talking. And, right, right, and and that's that's you know Shatner trying to make that relation and shared experience to recenter 
himself around the conversation around himself which like there's a part i think near the end of chris pine's interview Mm -hmm. uh where chris pine says something like yeah i I met some of like the best friends of my life uh, on set uh here and it's it's only like you know a couple years after Mm -hmm. you know star trek uh, 2009 came out yeah it's like and these people have only made like two films together maybe at this Mm -hmm. point and he's probably like filming the second one at this point they're already like some of the best friends of his life and that's something that shatner can't relate to because he doesn't have any best friends from tos at all no he doesn't i don't know if he has anyone from tos that'll still call him in 2011 absolutely not and that and that, that is very te- that that really honestly should be the subject where because that because uh, it's definitely not his intention making these films mm-hmm. but it comes out regardless where right. it's just like just like seeing these other actors that that actually have like that don't that don't aren't megalomaniacs mm-hmm. like him <laughs> that, yeah. that don't that don't cut out everyone else and just so he can be ahead right and they and they have long lasting friendships mm-hmm. friendships that have literally you know especially the you know Chris Pine was saying, you know saying that he made friends on this and yeah, same and same with the, same with the other actors like yeah. like Patrick Stewart Avery Brooks mm-hmm. and um, Kate Mulgrew Scott Bakula no. These are they form decades long friendships. Yeah, and you'll still see it on like you know Comic Con panels and stuff like that. Yeah. Like these people, even though you know, especially from like Star Trek two thousand nine, they haven't worked together mm-hmm. in a long time, and they only work for three brief brief periods together, but they're mm-hmm. still all great friends. Yeah, still 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 great friends that still call, talk to each other, and 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 William Shatner is isolated from all of this mm-hmm. and, and i feel this would have been a much more compelling documentary if like someone else had handled this material right. if, if i mean because i think the the core of the documentary and what i took away from it mm-hmm. is really that true leadership is about abdicating the need for it yes like like saying i don't need to be the leader and then just leading by example because mm-hmm. you are ostensibly the person in charge because mm-hmm. you know you're, that's the character you're playing yeah yeah, and that it's that that was definitely true because like you know, and especially with like um, uh, what we left behind, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think Avery Brooks is actually interviewed in that, but like no. um, they, but everyone talking about Avery Brooks, everyone loves Avery. Brooks. Everyone loves him, and mm-hmm. they talk about yeah, just setting setting that example of 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 uh, what they need to match, mm-hmm. just like the 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 professionalism and the and the desire to just give 110% and better yeah. to the material is something that he brought to the table and that they ever that and he tried and he expected more and everyone even though it wasn't he wasn't saying this everyone else felt compelled to also raise their game and give give mm-hmm. give that same sort of like uh, commitment mm-hmm. and effort and professionalism and to the part and that's something that Avery Brooks did without he did soft leadership yeah <laughs> and just just led by example mm-hmm. and you see that yeah i mean i mean the fact that he still has like such an amazing relationship with sirik lofton you mm-hmm. know who played jake you know his son yeah. like they still have they they formed a sort of father and son relationship yeah, yeah. sirik lofton has said that i kind of think of him as like my second dad yeah ex- yeah which is like really but, sweet yeah it's so sweet and mm-hmm. and i and you love to see that because because just avery brooks is such a good person he's such he's in like he like he's able to he he has 
what William Shatner wishes he has because William a Shatner big fucking dick. <laughs> but William Shatner wants to be loved. Yeah. He wants recognition. He wants to be respected. He wants musical talent. He wants musical talent. <laughs> he has yeah. none of those things. Yeah. And you see Avery Brooks has achieved all of that. Mm-hmm. Just by not being a fucking megalomaniac shithead. Yeah, he he's achieved all of that and doesn't need it. And doesn't need it. He, he doesn't he doesn't feel the need for it like mm-hmm. Shatner does. Like this this I don't know this, this compulsion. Yeah, a, a compulsion to have to be in the spotlight. Yes. Yeah, and that's and I feel like that's like when he was saying you know kind of like fighting Avery Brooks almost about like oh this is what, all that you expected you know and mm-hmm. Avery Brooks is like yeah of course this like he's because Avery Brooks is fulfilled yeah <laughs> like he's yeah. he's he has he's a he's a complete human being <laughs> he's a complete human being he's, a, he's like a fully formed real ass adult <laughs> yeah. that like has gotten over the traumas in his life <laughs> that would like prevent him from being a better person yeah and whereas like William Shatner is out here begging you to love him mm-hmm. and and but he does it in such a roundabout way and it's it's it's, it's very evident and it's it's very pathetic mm-hmm. in a way because like i definitely got that a lot from this is just like shatner's patheticness yeah you know coming through and and it was just it was a very sad documentary in a way because it's almost like you're watching this man just like 80 years old and he because i think he was like what 80 something years old at this point he's he, how old is he now he's like 93 yeah so, so he, was, he was probably 81 or so yeah i mean that's funny it's, he's 81 in this and he looks great he looks he looks pretty good for um, 81 yeah i mean <laughs> his style is pretty consistent he wears a lot of uh, pink button-up shirts in this yeah and he wears a couple suits but like the same pink button-up shirt yeah um, but it, but it's just sad that like he's 81 years old mm-hmm. and he has nothing to really fulfill him. Right. Like, he is he is completely empty. Right. Like he is a completely empty person, and like and where these other people are have like fulfilled them, their lives in mm-hmm. other ways. You know, like you know Avery Brooks. You know, and um, you know they have found that that they 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 are fulfilled. They don't have that hunger mm-hmm. where they just need their even at you know they they understand who they are mm-hmm. as people. Where William Shatner does not. Yeah. Like it, it, I don't think that's a truth that he even picks up from doing these interviews. No, it's like that and I, he I don't is, think it's a thing he's picked up in life. No, at all. like in yeah, he's ninety ninety three now. 90, you said ninety three. And oh, by the way, I f- totally forgot to tell you. The most divorced captain. Oh yeah, Shatner. Oh yeah, four, yeah. four times. Four times. Four divorces, and I, I believe he made this uh, film between marriages. So wow, it would yeah. At eighty one, you're still getting married. Like I would just be like, no, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> and be like, no, I mean, if I'm not, if I'm divorced at eighty one, yeah, I'd just it's be like, like <laughs> my dick don't work no more. Like, I, I, you know, if I'm, I'm on as, death's door. Yeah, if I'm as rich as him, like I can just buy companionship and shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's what that shows. Like, yeah, he has he has enough money to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Still has nothing, and that that it would be a more compelling documentary if he does discover some truth about himself. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. Like, there's no right. like because really because like uh, yeah, as we said, like this is a documentary about William Shatner, mm-hmm. and William Shatner achieves no growth. There's no. zero growth. <laughs> like we don't see him sort of like learn from the captains because even though. Because, yeah, I mean, cause, I mean, I guess it's because he's just not letting them talk, but mm-hmm. it's just like, but he doesn't learn anything from them. Like, he's, you know, he's trying to pigeonhole them, try and try and just trying to redirect to himself, try to, try to redirect him to himself. Mm-hmm. So he's not like 
picking up anything, like not seeing where they are in their lives because, mm-hmm. like, you know, basically they're all like in periods except for Chris Pine towards basically towards the end of their careers almost. You right, know? right. You know, and and they're at points where, you know, you should feel, you know, like and uh, where you should start feeling fulfilled and settling down and slowing down. Mm-hmm. And where Shatner is just like trying to be like, what, what, where, what do, where, where are you living? And he doesn't seem to understand. Like, he's not, he's not having that growth. No, no, <laughs> he's, he's never had that growth. I don't. I feel like he just does has no joy. He does not have a joyous yeah. life. You know, it seems like he's just perpetually working and traveling to fucking conventions, mm-hmm. probably in order to, I don't know, line his pockets a little more, and also. You know, uh, yeah, he, was, he just paid for some alimony and shit. Last year, um, he actually came to like a very shitty like convention mm-hmm. outside of Tacoma. That yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that I didn't want to go to. I was like, yeah. eh. and like I was just like, and it's just like, like, just he has doesn't see, yeah he definitely just seems like he doesn't have the thing that a 90 something year old man should have at, at this point. Right. Which is, you know, enough money to retire first and foremost. And <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like he should just be enjoying himself. Everyone would be fine if he never went to another convention again. But that, well, that that's, that's the thing. Like he has money. Mm-hmm. He has money to retire. One thing he doesn't have is love. Right. He doesn't have, he, and then there's, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the thing that actually, would make make you feel fulfilled right and so he's still trying to get it whereas like everyone else is sort of like they've they they're all gone to pasture basically like you know obviously like patrick stewart and kate mulgrew mm-hmm. they're still returning to this to to the series but right. in very in very in ways that you know you know we've talked about picard like we're not mm. that yeah but kate mulgrew i think her return to that was great to, to star trek yes. I, lo- I love prodigy an excellent right. yeah and that, it keeps in keeps in with her character absolutely and um and yeah i feel like everyone else has kind of like reached that you know and like you know avery brooks you know he's found his niche like everyone mm-hmm. else everyone you know scott bakula found his niche mm-hmm. you know everyone's found that sort of like that sort of like what they're looking for in life except william shatner <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. And uh, William Shatner definitely fears his mortality, too. And it's he, very evident in this film because the last question he asks most of the captains is, uh, uh, what happens when you die? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, dude, what? Like, it's it's a weird 180 question from the entire the entirety of all of the interviews so far. And also, also like an 81-year-old man, like, you know, terrified of death. Mm-hmm. And I think also speaks to his unfulfillment in life. Yeah. Because yeah, he definitely, he definitely feels like he's hasn't been, hasn't, you know, other people should be like at, at this point, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you're 81, you should be thankful for whatever years you have next. Right. And, but in kind of like, know that death is on, you're on death's doorstep. It's <laughs> you're fine. On death's doorstep. Yeah. yeah it's you're fine. one foot in the grave. Like if I'm 80 <laughs> years old, I'm like, I could die any day, so I'm gonna do fun shit and yeah. like try to relax until I die. Yeah, I absolutely. I would not be doing a convention circuit at fucking Fuck ninety no. years old. No I'd way. just be like, I am. I wouldn't I, be going on a plane unless it was to a warm place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be. Yeah, I would. I would. I would be on a beach. I'd mm-hmm. be in a. I'd be in a in a uh, in a lounge chair mm-hmm. reading or watching TV. You're doing something relaxing. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be fucking like feeling i have to like go sign a bunch of things and have people like tell me how much they love me right like i feel like i i hope by 90 years old i have 
those people in my life that I love that are next to me, not like, not like I need to do it right before I die. I need someone, to, to, some stranger to tell me they love me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely. And we get some interesting responses to this question: What happens when you die? Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Bakula says something like, uh, "We're not our bodies, and the soul goes someplace around us." Kind of like I, I do love Scott Bakula's qu- answer to that. Yeah. Like they're having they're having like this conversation in a very weird diner, right? right. <laughs> like a and diner it, looks fucked yeah. up from the outside. Yeah, and and fucking <laughs> and uh, Shatner's like, "What? No pearly gates? Uh, no hell?" And Bakula's like, "No." Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I, I, just, <laughs> I, I, I do. I love Scott Bakula. <laughs> Scott Bakula is great. I and, love him. Yeah. I love him. Mm-hmm. Like he's. I do. I do feel like he's got such divorced dad energy. He does and have it, divorced. It kind, it kind of rules. It kind of. He rules. De- and also, he is like another person that feels like they know who they are. They know mm-hmm. what they like, yeah. and he's able to talk. He, I, I do feel he does do the best talking with William Shatner, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, and also, I thought it was funny that they have like their initial conversation on the horse farm or something, right? Where because Shatner wants to show off the fact that he's a really good horse rider, right? Right. <laughs> and like, uh, and they're just, both just sitting on horses for a while. Yeah. Pretty cool. But like, yeah, I, and also I just love. I think Scott Bakula also understands Star Trek because, mm-hmm. like, you know, t- things that he's said in the past, and also the, I think he gives a very Star Trek type answer, just like mm-hmm. this all encompassing soul or something or yeah. something then that goes off to somewhere right know? right the, our energy still exists type our energy thing. still yeah. exists yeah because like yeah he, he i feel he gets it i, I feel he's a very like interesting dude mm-hmm. <laughs> like i would love to see more interviews with scott bacula yeah and so bacula kind of puts the question back to shatner and mm-hmm. uh asks him like what do you think happens after death and shatner goes into this weird thing for a couple minutes about how he thought about dying a lot when he had Kirk die in Star Trek Generations. Yeah. And he had he said he had two thoughts uh, when playing Kirk's death. The first one was uh, the death of Captain Kirk that he imagined before and like what it would be like and mm. uh, like and then the second thought was oh my. Yeah. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely thought, like, yeah, that made sense because he's going where no man's gone before mm-hmm. or really has gone before, but he hasn't. Right. To the afterlife. You mm-hmm. know, he's seeing whatever is behind that. And but as we see, you know, as we know that William Shatner didn't like the fact that he was killed off and mm-hmm. later wrote The Return, <laughs> you God. know, where Captain Kirk is brought back to life by Borg and Romulan technology. Cool. So, that, again, that's showing. Yeah, like Shatner's fear of death, Shatner wanting to be immortal, mm-hmm. Shatner always wanting to be loved and admired because like yeah, cause, right because like the book starts off with like yeah like a whole honor guard going to like pick up the on, the the remains of William, of uh, the of revered Captain Captain mm-hmm. Kirk and and so like like it just shows that sort of like where he feels like getting the respect that he feels he deserves right and I, I feel like there's a huge disconnect within him in that he just doesn't realize that he is not captain kirk yeah. Cap- captain kirk is a character that is played <laughs> yeah. that has been played by three different people <laughs> three at different this point. people yeah um you know i mean more if we're counting the uh, uh yeah if star trek continues and the fan productions <laughs> yeah. hundreds of people probably hundreds of people um and everyone's but- got a captain kirk impression too yeah they do they have a and captain kirk everybody impression. has a captain Kirk impression. <laughs> Spock, I am dying every day. Spock, why don't you pucker up that sweet little <laughs> asshole for me? I'll put some silicone-based lube on yeah. and fuck your asshole. <laughs> um, so, 
I think my favorite answer to the question, what happens when you die, though? I mean, mm-hmm. easily my mm-hmm. favorite answer. My favorite answer to anything in this entire film mm. is Avery motherfucking Brooks. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shatner asks, what happens when you die? Mm-hmm. And Avery Brooks just starts playing the piano. <laughs> and then he laughs a couple times. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, this motherfucker's stoned as hell. I think it's also show, like, you know, Avery Brooks doesn't know. And I feel like... And, and the that- only lyrics he has to the song were at the very end, he goes... I wish I knew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that shows shows humility mm-hmm. because you definitely get the sense where, yeah, like, like William Shatner is living his life to like to avoid death mm-hmm. and he, and his fear of death. Mm-hmm. Where it's like he asks like like Avery Brooks. And you know Avery Brooks is up there in age himself. Oh yeah, he's got to be in his seventies. He's in his seventies, and 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 it's and you know he gets posed the question, and he's just like, I don't know, I haven't been thinking about it. Basically, mm-hmm. that's like you know he's just living his life. Yeah, that's not important <laughs> to his not, life because he's <laughs> he's not about to die or anything. You know, he's yeah. not in ill health. So if he dies tomorrow, you know, he left his legacy. And if it happens, it happens. It's yeah. just like it's like it's something that's clearly something that's not he's not thinking about because he's too busy living right <laughs> like he's he's actually living a life that he wants once again because he's a real ass 100 percent human adult being <laughs> yes like, he's a human adult being where where william shatner like william shatner's fear of death is almost childlike well he kind of looks like a big baby he's doesn't almost he? he's almost like the children and the um in the one episode with tuvok you oh, know yeah, where, yeah. where he goes to the planet where people are benjamin have benjamin button disease mm-hmm. and like all the children, all the children are actually old people, and they're terrified of death. Right, and and, uh, and um, oh, that's the one where Neelix is like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On one hand, their bodies are children. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I am okay with it, Mister Vulcan. I, I'm okay with it, but yeah, it's just I. Avery Brooks does have the best reaction because it's sad. It's I think it shows humility. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows just like just, playfulness. Yeah, like, it's and, so playful. It's playfulness, so funny, and just like, and that's, and uh, he's not obsessing about death, mm-hmm. and he also doesn't obsess about himself the way William Shatner obsesses about himself. Because mm-hmm. William Shatner, I think, believes that his death is going to cause a rift mm-hmm. in the space-time continuum. Like no. people are going to be wailing. They're going to have like sort I mean, of there like will be some of that. There like, will be some of that. I mean, there like Twitter will kind of melt down the day that yeah. like Trek Twitter will melt down the day that uh, Shatner dies. Yes, but is that, but and I think I'm he, looking forward to it. <laughs> I think he's expecting some sort of like Kim Jong Un type thing. Where people, <laughs> people will be wailing, going no. Nah! <laughs> this is like people self-immolating. Yes, it's people like, self-immolating. But yeah, he's he, like in, and yeah, that's you know that's that'll probably ha- you know happen in some capacity. But just like, but yeah, who is dreading death the most is William Shatner at ninety-three years old. He's still just like not content with no. just like passing from this mortal realm and no. he should he, he, honestly you should be you should. he should be but instead he's going he's like going to convention centers and going through the motions yeah and that was like he included something in this that was like really telling and i thought i don't think he should have included it at all it was it was kind of a weird thing for him to do but it's him going around a convention center 
and like talking to all of like a bunch of like guest actresses yeah. that used to be on different Star Trek shows and and he tells all of them, "Oh, the prettiest girl who was ever on Star Trek" or something like that. And, there and he are, does that to like three or four women. Yes. And and to and it's clear like they're just being very polite to him because it's at a convention and they're in public. Right, right. You can't <laughs> you can't be a dick to Shatner at a convention unless <laughs> yeah. like unless you're like Avery Brooks or something. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it, it's very telling. Like, yeah, like as I said, like you know, a lot of people at in 2011 were still around. I think mm-hmm. what wasn't um was uh yeah like Leonard Nimoy was still alive. Yeah, yeah. He Leonard was, Nimoy was still alive. Michelle Nichols, like uh you know. Mm-hmm. George Takai, you know, obviously still alive. Uh, Walter Cunning, mm-hmm. like they're all they're all, they're all alive. Yeah, everyone but Scotty and Bones. Everyone but Scotty and Bones, and none of them make any sort of appearance in this. And mm-hmm. that's also another reason why I feel he had to make it about the captains and not about himself because he couldn't right. like have like a conversation about do a documentary about TUS because none of those mother no, no, no one else no one is the, returning his calls. No, like. no one is returning his calls. No one wants mm-hmm. to be on his fucking na- jack you know asshole documentary. Mm-hmm. And so like uh so he's like, "Well, who can I call up?" I know like people who don't know me that well. Yeah, <laughs> so pe- people who like respect me until I talk to them. They right? re- yeah, they re- they respect me p- professionally perhaps yeah. maybe. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe. But they feel they they probably owe me something since I'm the original captain and right. um and yeah, it's just like, you know, because that's the thing, like, there is a lot of talking about William Shatner's life, you know, and he, he definitely makes sure to focus a lot of focus, a lot of the attention, like and a lot of the backstory on himself, like mm-hmm. he talks a lot about his early days and, and, um, and um, on stage and stuff like that and mm-hmm. get a lot of that. But yeah, one thing we don't ever get, you know is any perspective from his co-stars <laughs> except for christopher Plummer, who except was in a film with him the, yeah a film and yeah, Star also Trek 6. worked on stage with him briefly as well so. yeah and and it was telling where he where christopher Plummer was talking about how he didn't want to have a, a um um very um cling on like makeup he wanted very right. very subtle mm-hmm. playing on makeup because he didn't want to act with all that shit on himself right right and so he was like and so he's talking about how he went to the director he's just like i knew i couldn't go to you mm-hmm. and you see and you see like william shatner's kind of gets hurt by that right because he knew because yeah chris Roman knew he couldn't go to fucking like kirk because it wasn't star trek five <laughs> <laughs> yeah, star trek five he couldn't and, do shit yeah and uh and so that i thought that was really funny but it but he does get also why i do feel that like christopher Plummer is you know he's you know, so, so he was able to talk. He talked pretty freely. I, I, I did. I did think that was a good interview, but I think it's because, like, yeah, he definitely seemed like William Shatner approached him with a little bit more respect than he did uh, the other captains. Mm-hmm. But that was that was uh, just the interview. But yeah, it was like, but that was the only person he could really get back who has worked with him professionally to be in this interview, which is honestly fucking pathetic. Honestly, pathetic because like I, I, I feel like. Christopher Plummer probably doesn't even know him that well. Right, right. And <laughs> and he was in L.A. for part of this. That's yeah. when he was talking to Chris Pine. Yeah. And I know at least uh, Walter Kronig lives in L.A. Yeah. Or thereabouts. So, yeah. I mean, he could have gotten him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, like uh, a Nimoy probably lived around L.A. too. Yeah, I'm sure Nichelle Nichols and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, George Takei, I'm, uh, George Takei's got to live in LA. He's got to. I think he definitely does. Yeah, because yeah. he's on like fucking late night talk shows in LA. All yeah, ne- didn't hit up any of them. And yeah, I mean that's just those, like that's the thing. Like you, he was having trying to have a William Shatner documentary without anyone that's actually 
worked with him on personally and 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 I think even Patrick Stewart though he makes a comment how like in the early days of Star Trek like mm-hmm. he makes a comment that that Patrick Stewart like you can see in real time Patrick Stewart sort of like try to soften the blow mm-hmm. for Shatner yeah. and because like he's trying to describe like um, Shatner's presence on set mm-hmm. during the early days of TNG like because he said like and like they kind of he was kind of trying to say that he was kind of like an overbearing presence yes on 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 set and Mm -hmm. but then like you kind of see since he's talking to him he's kind of you see patrick stewart like rethink what he's saying and soften it in real time right right is (laughs) is that the part where he talked briefly about gene roddenberry i think i think so yeah yeah. he said like uh gene sometimes didn't know what he was doing and he was just like kind of working on instinct Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah yeah this was a this was a movie this was a movie. I, have we talked about the overbearing piano music? No, we haven't <laughs> talked about the soundtrack yet. Uh, so the soundtrack, it's jazz, baby. It's jazz. Just the piano music was obnoxious to me. Like it was, it was fine to me, but I, uh, I'm, I'm fine with. I, like, I listen, I listen to a lot of Dave Brubeck. You do. I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm I fi- don't. I don't. That's a lie. I don't listen to. <laughs> do shut up <laughs> you don't know you don't know me pat you don't know me you don't know how what piano jo- i like al Giroux. <laughs> you're like al johnson <laughs> no, but like um yeah like the piano music though over top of the interviews is mm-hmm. awful like i'm it's hard to concentrate on what they're saying because i feel like they're they're competing with the soundtrack that William Shatner has put over top of them. Which is like basically he just like put a mic under the piano at Nordstrom and uh, I definitely I definitely feel like he, he had someone watching this because mm-hmm. like a lot of the piano music follows the cadence of what the people are saying. Right. So like it'd be great if it would be so much better if he had Avery Brooks soundtrack. It would have and because that's a, and that's uh, the one place where the piano music that William Shatner adds himself makes zero appearance. Mm-hmm. Because you know Avery Brooks is playing piano himself, but also I I did like that they didn't include <laughs> that overbearing piano music over top of Avery Brooks, and Avery Brooks provides his own uh, way to drown out um, w- William Shatner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's actually brilliant of him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the film. Did we did we cover everything? Um, one thing, uh, one other thing I want to talk about mm-hmm. is um, we talked about like yeah, William Shatner at the conventions. Uh, yeah. One one of the thing one thing that also pissed me off mm-hmm. was um, when William Shatner was at the convention and basically doing um, uh, ba- making fun of all the captains. Yes. Uh, where he was uh, basically like, I'm doing a documentary called The Captains and uh talking to these guys uh and when he started talking about avery brooks he's like avery brooks he's out there yeah right and like i was just i was just like i was i, I think i like threw down shit and i was i stood up like stanced up like i'm gonna fight this motherfucker <laughs> like, don't you say square up just square, square up what'd you say square up what'd you say about avery brooks we have a problem here <laughs> we have a problem yeah he was just he was making fun of everyone that he just interviewed like i mean you can kind of see it as like mm-hmm good-natured ribbing but from him it doesn't seem that way mm-hmm. where he wasn't like just sort of like making fun of them in a respectful way it definitely felt like he was being like whoa Avery Brooks you check this guy out yeah his head he's out there but 
ooh, that pissed me off. But he and and then it's interrupted by Patrick Stewart actually being there, and Patrick Stewart comes out and surprises him. And yeah. I don't think he was expecting that. <laughs> Surprise, bitch! <laughs> yeah, what'd you say about me? Because I can't remember what he says about Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. but. I think he makes fun of him being like you know stodgy or something. I can't remember, but the only one that still got stood out to me was like him mocking Avery Brooks. And I didn't like like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing I forgot to point out that I really didn't like is the mm. very beginning of the film. He makes it very clear that he's traveling the world to talk to these captains on a private jetliner. <laughs> that that jet, uh, it, mm. it's it's a it's a main character. It is. It is. There's a lot of shots of this jet just flying mm. through the air to piano music to him. And he's yeah he there are a lot of scenes of him on the jet mm-hmm. uh, flying to these locations. It's it's definitely like a, yeah it definitely feels like he's showing off a lot. Oh absolutely. Where no, he, he's, he, he's trying to big dick this because honestly like the jet like all the shots of the jet him on the jet mm-hmm. I would have cut out <laughs> personally. Hmm. It's not the fo- yeah. that's not a focus that that, that adds nothing mm-hmm. to the documentary besides uh, besides what William Shatner wanted to do was show off that he's on a jet. But yeah. really it has no It has nothing to do with the movie. Nothing to do with the movie. Nothing at all. And that's actually like one of the like like uh, the, there's a lot of trivia on this mm-hmm. under the movie database. But one of the things is about the jet, <laughs> the private jet that William Shatner is flying on uh, flying on during the movie mm-hmm. is a, a Bombardier XRS Global Express. Cool. Model name changed to the Bombardier Global 6000 after May 2011. So it's like cool. Good. Who fucking cares? Yeah, I would have I would have I would have I did not like yeah, the the jet scenes are baffling, mm-hmm. un- completely unnecessary to the story. I fucking hate William Shatner. I think that's yeah. Yeah, William Shatner sucks. <laughs> I fucking he, uh, hate him. He sucks so hard. He's, he's pretty bad. Yeah, like honestly, he's also my least favorite captain. If we're being honest, <laughs> I mean, uh, it depends. I I like him. I like him a good bit, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't. I'm not put, a big fan of TOS. I, I wouldn't. I'm not a huge fan of TOS, but I do like Kirk as a captain, as a character. Um, you know, I I would definitely. I put him above whatever Discovery's captains are. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that Discovery had a lot of captains. I'd put him above uh, Saru Captain Freeman as yeah. well. Yeah. Captain Freeman's kind of a whatever yeah. character, uh, you know. She's, but she's also not the. Focus. She's not centered in the series. Yeah, she's though, not centered yeah. in the series. She's a supporting actor, actress. Right. Yeah. So, gosh. Yeah, because like, yeah. What was like, like if you like? I guess we kind of talked about it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you think like? point of this documentary was like besides- I mean like the, obviously what he's trying to get through is like the captains have a shared experience and they're all leaders mm. but like that's not what shines through to me no no that's I mean ov- that's the obvious subtext of what he's trying to say yeah but he doesn't say it well at all no what do you what do you pretty much says is I'm a fucking dickhead and all these other actors like led by example and no one will talk about me but myself. <laughs> yeah, it honestly feels like the way he approaches them, it feels like he feels they stole something from him. Right. They stole- like they like it's a zero sum game, and like each captain they add takes a slice of the captain pie, so he can't have the whole fucking captain pie to yes. himself. Yes, like they like any sort of fulfillment that he's getting from this from the roles, because mm-hmm. you know obviously like he was he, he like he mentions like how he did come to round to the. Um, um, 
come <laughs> to the uh to like the fame and for- fame attached to being Captain Kirk much later, not until like the 1970s, right, right, where he finally decided to go to the, the um, convention centers and, and stuff. Then like there that. was like 15,000 people there, and he's like, "Well, 15,000 people—that's yeah. a lot of fucking money." And yeah, and he, you know, obviously he went tried to re- try to rebrand himself. You know, he went to also did T.J. Hooker, mm-hmm. like uh, rescue became a fucking cop, became a fucking cop, uh, and- Boston. Uh, Boston legal, legal, yeah, yeah. Like he, he, like he was definitely tried to separate himself a lot from Captain Kirk, but mm-hmm. never achieved that sort of like still recognition. And and I do feel like he's just been like on those coattails ever since, <laughs> like just like still trying to milk for it for everything that it's worth. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, that's that's what happens when you have four divorces, buddy. Four divorces. That's yeah. that's uh, splitting your income in half four times. It compounds. Does he have any kids? I'm sure he, he has does. three kids. He talks about it in the thing. Mm. Uh, he had all three of his kids pretty much like while Star Trek was going on, which mm. is kind of weird. I'm gonna guess because he, he's pro- like, yeah, it's like the busiest time in your life. Twelve to fourteen hour days. You never get to see their family. And then he's like, yeah, I had all three of my kids while we were filming Star Trek. And I'm yeah. like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This, that doesn't sound like that doesn't sound responsible if you're filming a TV show that takes 12 to 14 hours of your day and you put mm-hmm. three fucking babies in your wife during that time. <laughs> like one, fine. Two, are you going to be at home at all? <laughs> three, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I do like the um, the Spock documentary mm-hmm. where it um, it where um, uh, was his name Andrew Andrew Nimoy. Uh, uh, it sounds right, but I don't think it is. Um, yeah, I can't remember. And yeah. Nimoy, but Nimoy, Adam, 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 Nimoy. Adam, Adam Nimoy. Nimoy. Adam Nimoy talks a lot about like how he what did feel. Um, and that was that's a much better exploration of of fame mm-hmm. and just start how Star Trek affected like their personal lives. Well, but also you can make a documentary about him because everyone likes Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> everyone loves Leonard and, Nimoy, and, and like everyone's willing to come on and do an interview and be like, "Yeah, fucking Leonard's a great dude." Yeah, that but that was ha, was a much more you know talk you know uh, what we left behind much more compelling documentary about the subject. Oh. Um, and yeah, because it's about something. It's about DS Nine. It's about something. It's not about something that it's not really about like this is supposed to be about all of the captains but it's really just about fucking William Shatner Shatner as James T. Kirk yeah it's about William Shatner but because like it's it's not intentional Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't feel fulfilling or like really that like it doesn't feel like you actually learn too much because again we're also getting all of uh, William Shatner's own experiences filtered mm-hmm. through himself. Yeah. So I, we're not, so we're not actually getting any sort of like actual like revelations or mm-hmm. any sort of like real, um, um, you know, any sort of real knowledge about right. the subject because it's we're getting it subjectively through like, him. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like I almost came away from this film dumber. Like <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was like an exercise <laughs> on meaningless fame. You know what it was? Is it was a uh, an episode of Entourage about Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, is what it was. Yeah. And uh, no, not very good. Yeah, like yeah. As for, for like um, Star Trek documentaries, I will never revisit this. No, like there doesn't seem to be a need to, and it's also like it's also so disjointed and aimless in mm-hmm. a way. Where I and also like just like mean spirited, yeah, and um and just like also just completely about like a like someone who's just completely megalomaniac. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I did not enjoy this movie at all. No. So and I don't really care to ever revisit it. No. Like I will revisit you know 
uh, what we left behind mm -hmm. a million times. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Love that. It's and it's so compelling and interesting. And same with the Spock documentary. It's very uh, the, the Spockumentary. You mean Spockumentary? It's you. it's excellent. Like that that was that, that had a lot of revelations, a lot real lot of stuff I didn't know mm -hmm. about like um, about like Leonard Nimoy and yeah. just like um, about the the how he handled his fame and. Mm -hmm. And everything else I, I it was very enjoyable yeah like, and that's that's the thing is well that tells a story fucking tells a story what we left behind tells a story there's yeah. a narrative through line mm -hmm. and there's a beginning a middle and an end this film is completely disjointed there's no, no there is a beginning and there is an end none where the middle is where <laughs> the middle is completely nebulous the middle yeah. is the entire film like yeah there's two minutes of beginning two minutes of end and the rest of it is a weird middle and yeah and 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 because the interviews are are broken up so sporadically mm -hmm. like you have he he spends maybe like one or two questions with each captain and then quickly goes to another one and so i don't know if you know this but uh they actually kind of re-release this and recut it as a series called uh star trek the captains in depth mm. in which it's like extended interviews and they're much less edited mm. which i'd be much more interested in seeing yeah that, was, that like might this. actually like have, have something that we're mm -hmm. not it's not being filtered through William Shatner's ego. Yeah, and, and some some terrible editing. That, yeah, and some that, terrible. It provides editing. no narrative or through line whatsoever. Yeah, and it probably has no scenes of the jet. <laughs> probably. <laughs> oh gosh, what are we going to do without the jet? It's the main character. Yeah, what are we going to what are we going to do without the jet? We need to make sure that we see William Shatner on that motherfucking jet. Yeah, the USS Enterprise F. G -H. And they don't even do anything like that. That would have been cute if they at least like made the jet that he was on like look like the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. Like have like NC, you know, have like NCC, NCC 1701 yeah. G Ulfstream, Gulfstream, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And just like have have that on it. Just just to like, you know, just be cute or do something interesting. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to include the fucking jet, make a make a reason to include the jet. No, he rented it. So he <laughs> couldn't he couldn't put anything on the side. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, they could have done something. He, um, he could have just, I don't know, taken a, a regular plane like a real person. Yeah, I feel that's definitely where, because there were so many features of showing the jet, um, and especially the name of the jet. Mm -hmm. Like, I was wondering if they had donated some sort of money, and maybe they uh, maybe maybe they had comped part of his, because right, he, right. he, you know, he flies to England to interview mm -hmm. Patrick Stewart. Right, and, and he, he flies to Toronto to talk to someone. Yeah, and he goes, of course, to New York, to mm -hmm. L.A., mm -hmm. and um, I'm and I'm pretty sure, where is um, Avery Brooks living? Is he still living in Indiana somewhere? Uh, yeah, because that's where Records is, right? Yeah, and so... Um, so he's clearly like, and you know, private jets cost quite a bit of money. So I'm wondering if that's uh, New, New Jersey, sorry. New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure that's probably why the jet was featured so much because I'm sure like they were like, okay, well, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, you know comp some of the price of the jet mm -hmm. if you feature the name of the jet <laughs> in this documentary and he was like not a problem well look at the look how I'm the captain of this jet look how luxurious this private jet is i'm flying yeah. around on the private jet blah 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 and i was just like cool all right yeah well because he's not going to take coach he's not going to fly coach to anywhere no he's not even going to fly first class <laughs> he gonna... has to fly on a private fucking <laughs> yeah, jet to yeah. go talk to other people who have the same job as him <laughs> yeah which is like okay dude that's that's the like most privileged white thing you could possibly do <laughs> yeah cool 
enjoy. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess neither of us would really recommend this. No, I mean, no. I'd give this, like, um, I don't know. It depends on, like, what meaning you place on it. I got a lot out of this documentary, mm-hmm. but only because, like, I hated it so much. And I think and also because, like, you were able to see the actual true intention right, of this right. documentary, which is just, like, a... Uh, William Shatner vanity project. Absolutely. Like, it's not like it, you're not going. It, if you watch it, I guess there's a caveat where if you go in and watch it, mm-hmm. don't expect to really know anything, to learn anything about your favorite captain. No, captain, you, won't, you, you won't, won't learn anything new, really. You'll just have a greater disdain for one person, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you really like, you know, Scott Bakula, Avery Brooks, Kate Mulgrew, or Patrick Stewart, don't expect much from this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, unless you love Avery Brooks, and then oh, you'll, yeah. you will f- fall in love with him on an entirely new level. Yeah, like, honestly, like, kudos to Avery Brooks for his, like, next-level trolling of mm-hmm. William Shatner. Cause he, William he was Sh- a jazz troll. Yeah, he's a jazz troll. I he, live under a jazz bridge, <laughs> baby. Because he definitely makes William Shatner look like a fucking idiot. It's so fucking funny. And, like, and honestly, I was cringing whenever William Shatner was trying to sing. It, it was along. so bad. But it was I, so I bad. enjoyed how bad it was because it made me, it, it lit a fire inside. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I hate you so much, Bill. You big piece of shit. And then also just shows like, yeah, also like William Shatner's just like the gall of William Shatner where he, mm-hmm. where like Avery Brooks is just like noodling around on the piano making a song and then yeah. like, and, and William Shatner feels he has to interject and sing. Right. Yeah. He's like, oh no, this is our song now. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is our song. All no, right, this, is, this is Avery Brooks' song. Mm-hmm. It's always been Avery Brooks' And Avery Brooks, Brooks just song. smiles and laughs. <laughs> he He's does. like, all right. He, yeah. He laughs at whatever um, William Shatner adds to his songs. It's, it's so great. good. So good. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, wouldn't recommend. Well, wouldn't recommend. Like, you know, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, if you go in and watch it, no, you're going to. It's just going to be a William Shatner show. Yeah, that's it's the Shat show. The Shat show. There's a Shat show in here. Yeah, yeah. But watch, watch, watch other Star Trek documentaries. Yeah, watch They're much better. What we left behind. That one's so much better. You oh get a lot God. more out of it. You, it's uh, so you, good. The documentary ends, and you feel really good. Yeah, and yeah, yeah you feel ex- you feel inspired. Mm-hmm. And the way, and you learn more about Avery Brooks. You learn that. more about everybody in the you learn, show. You learn about everybody. Mm-hmm. You learn about the behind the scenes stuff. You learn, you know, just like the intention, the creative choices that go into making it. It's a, it's a really great documentary. Can't recommend that. Enough. Recommend that a hundred to ten percent. This like, not. This no. I like. I'm trying to make my way through the return right now. Written oh, no. by. I tried reading Tech War by William Shatner. Oh, I have that entire show on my server. Just watch the show. Yeah. What, like I. Well, I got the Tech War because like it's one of my favorite jokes in The Simpsons, where it's mm-hmm. like um, they point to the banned book sections in Tech War's on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so I, I really wanted Tech War for that reason, mm-hmm. and so I, I found it at a used bookstore once. I'm like, hey, this is gonna be funny. And I tried reading. I'm like, oh my god, this sucks. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like, yeah, William Shatner Vanity Project. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, the captains doesn't get the Soy Trek recommendation. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and I think that's a good place for us to leave it. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us, Soyagers. Uh, be well, travel safe, and uh, don't watch the captains from 2011. Uh, yeah, give it a pass. Yeah, kind of a chat show. It's a chat show. It's a chat show, baby. All right. Well, thanks for checking with us, Soy Boys, Girls, and Billy Beans. Hang dong and shocker. Bye. <laughs>